What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bash Brothers Podcast. I am your host, Connor Chandler. This over here is my co-host, Jordan Harris. And we are the Bash Brothers, the only podcast where it's like sitting back with your friends, talking sports, life, and everything in between. Jordan, this is normally where I would ask, how you doing this weekend, bro? I know you're doing good. I know you're locked in. We have so much to talk about, and there is one place to start. Alabama. 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 Best team in the country? Oh, hands down. Especially looking up. Look, it looks like they got a Heisman front runner too. Uh, Bryce Young was obviously everything as advertised. You would think he'd be. We were wondering if he, the lights were a little bright too, a little too bright for him. Sorry, a little stutter there. Uh, they did not. Derek King was obviously still suffering from that leg injury, and Alabama completely ran away against number 14, Miami. They really did. I think it's only fair that we start right here. Bash Brothers Week in Review coming at you. Great weekend of college football. Absolutely fantastic. We're going to review almost every game, so go ahead and strap in, give our thoughts on this. And and, and like I said, I think that's the place you got to start. So we, we made the comments that we thought it would be close. We said there would be chaos. There was a ton of chaos just maybe not in the places that we expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce Young comes out, sets two different Alabama, like a passing and a touchdown record in a debut, yep. absolutely lights it up. Literally from Jump Street, that game was over. Oh, yeah. From the first drive, John Minchie the third, who we did say would step into that next role and replace a Heisman Trophy winner, absolutely lights Miami up. By about the first end of the first quarter, Derek King's already limping on that leg. Yep, That was the problem there. I will say... We spoke heavy on Alabama's offensive line being the, the the weak point. Lost a lot of talent there. You did see Bryce having to make a lot of plays with his legs in terms of moving throughout the pocket, which he did incredibly well. I mean, absolutely fantastic job there. I mean, just absolutely lit it up. We got the stats here. 13 to 22, 294, and four touchdowns, no picks. Come on, bro. Yeah, kids and animal. I mean, what can you what more you can say about Alabama? They're plug and play. Every single year, you thought, what more could they do? You know, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tugavadoa, and uh, Mac Jones. Well, guess what? It's Bryce Young's time to shine in Tuscaloosa now. The kid looked phenomenal. That one play uh, backed up in their own end zone. I thought the previous play was an intentional grounding safety. It was not. Next play, he absolutely made it count and threw a dime down the right sideline. Touchdown. I mean – the dude is going to take over, and, you know, we were wondering, we thought it was going to be close if Derek played well and Bryce did not. That did not happen. I will say, personally, I believe I overestimated the Miami defense. We we got yeah. word, you know, during the during the middle of the year that uh, Manny Diaz, Coach Manny Diaz, would take over as D.C. for Miami. You, re- I mean, he's a defensive guy. You really thought there would be a turnaround. Like I, It wasn't C.J. Stroud throwing touchdowns against Minnesota bad, mm-hmm. but Miami's defense wasn't very good. I mean, they got no, penetration no, no, no. on the O-line yeah. and then just couldn't – I mean, they couldn't get to the quarterback. It will be interesting to see moving forward how a better defense would affect Bryce and also right. pressure situations, right? Um, the kid never trailed. Alabama has never trailed. Right. It, it was never even close. No, not at I all. I mean, and let's be honest, the final score, what was it? Uh, it was four, or, 44-13. Yeah. It should have been 44-3. They yeah. gave up touchdowns in garbage time. You could tell Nick Saban was heated about that, as he should have been. And they're, uh, Miami's celebrating like they just won a natty because they scored a touchdown. Of like, course. hats off to you. I'm proud of you. But that game was not as close as even the score says it, it was. Is. It'll be interesting to see what happens the next 11 weeks of football. But right now, the Bryce Young, Bill O'Brien era at uh, Alabama Starting looks, off real yep, nice. So, real hey, good. I'm like we, like we said, we will get out in front of it. I said 100%. I thought this game would be closer. I thought we'd at least have a halftime game. It was not. You come out of this game as the clear number one best team in the country with a clear Heisman front runner as your quarterback. Yep. And the, the, the future is looking real, real good. Absolutely. And that O-line will gel as time goes on. That'll Absolutely. that'll even improve. But why don't we uh, rewind to Thursday night? We got a, we got got a, a solid full slate to speak yep. on, huh? But Big Ten matchup, Ohio State and Minnesota. We were hoping Minnesota might row the boat there, but Ohio State uh, escaped a close one, if we're being honest. But they still are the front runner in the Big Ten. C.J. Stroud had a very impressive game as well. Uh, 13 for 22, 294 yards, four touchdowns, maybe in that Heisman talk as well. Looks like they're transitioning well out of that Justin Fields era at Ohio State. True. I think there was definitely – you could definitely see a step back, though. Yeah, You definitely sure. felt the pressure to get to him a little bit. The moment and the lights definitely got to C.J. Um, Seven-point game in the fourth quarter. Yep. I don't think 
we expected oh, that. No, not at all. I expected to cover the spread at 14, which eventually, you know, they did. They did. But, um, I mean, late game touchdown, and Minnesota's already out of the game. Yeah. Flooded the whole time, so that's something. Uh, Minnesota's defense early on had a little bit of a spark. But by the second half, you saw what depth does. You know, yeah, good teams sure. play for halves. Great teams play for fourth four quarters. And ultimately, that was this. I mean, you look at the last two or three touchdowns that CJ threw. Um, literally, the guy's open by eight yards. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just put it up and let your uh, like the most impressive duo with Olave over there. Um, in college football as, right. in terms of wide receiver without a doubt. So, I mean, you throw it up to big fella and just let him come down with it. And then, obviously, the yards after a catch are absolutely yeah. insane. Ohio State looks good, but I think there are some contenders now that we've seen a weekend right. of football. Ohio State versus Iowa looks a little bit more interesting yeah. now. Ohio State versus Wisconsin doesn't look so interesting now. Right. But people who play defense – because we okay, we saw pressure get to him in yep. terms of internal pressure between the ears, right? Yeah, we saw him affected by that a little bit. We saw the moment get a little big for him, and then he was kind of helped out by the lack of depth and the lack of consistency on defense from Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, as of right now, Ohio State probably doesn't look like a playoff contender down the line or a team that will compete in the playoff. But I will say this. Don't underestimate how a Thursday night game away in the rain can affect a team. So, we're going to have to see a lot more out of Ohio State before we can write them off completely. Big facts. All right, take us to the next one. We had a a Friday night football game we got to talk about. Our our second-place team in the ACC, I believe, now is going to be out. But UNC played Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, the inner Sandman, looked incredible oh my gosh that scene was absolutely nuts if you have not seen that go to twitter or go to google search inner sandman virginia tech unc an absolutely incredible scene there in blacksburg it was it was bonkers but yeah uh unc obviously got upset there 17 to 10 at virginia tech sam howell who was one of our heisman contenders uh may have just wrote himself off the heisman watch list 17 for 32 one touchdown and three picks not a good day at the office well, I think you see here the difference between top-tier recruiting and bottom-tier. I don't want to call Mac Jones and UNC bottom-tier recruiting, but for the sake of the argument, I will here. You lost four of your starting wide receivers at UNC. I think it was something like 92% of offensive yeah. production, and you can't, you don't plug and play at, at, uh, at UNC like you do at Alabama at or all. some of these high-tier programs. Sam Howell didn't have nobody to throw to. Nobody could get open. I mean, Sam Howell, I'll say that he did it the best he could. I mean, he definitely started forcing it there in the later, trying to actually, you know, you call this game an upset. Technically, you are 100% correct. I think if we kind of reassess this, Virginia Tech was just the better team from Jump Street. Yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech came out. Played very, very well. They get the win 17-10. I think it might could have even been bigger than that. Yeah, very I mean, true. really and truly, and you said it, you know, we had a Heisman contender there in Sam Howell that we spoke highly of. We both have UNC in the uh, ACC title game. Yep. Supposed to contend with um, Clemson. And this really was the start of a weekend of watching the ACC slowly and slowly crumble. Very much so. And, I mean, you know, right now the ACC may be one of the bottom-tier Power Five conferences. We don't know yet Never for thought sure. I'd say but, it. And, yeah. and that, that loss that you that loss of that UNC took, it didn't hurt nobody worse than it hurt yeah. the Clemson Tigers. Yeah, it, it very much uh, deflated the, the whole comp, the conference as a whole. And Clemson obviously doesn't play a whole lot of out-of-conference competition. They played one this week, and obviously it didn't go well for them. But – it looks weird for them moving forward because they need some wins. Very, They need very big wins. All right, we start off Saturday morning. Game day is live there in uh, North Carolina, and it, it, just a great scene. It was an absolute blast. And we start off the noon kickoff with Oklahoma and Tulane. It's supposed to be – how many points did Oklahoma like win a, by? It was a blowout, right? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Five-point so. win for – Tulane comes on the road, which should have been a home game. Right. Oklahoma gets the benefit of the of Hurricane Ida there. Also, hats off to everybody who has been affected by Hurricane Ida. We're praying for you. We know what that's like. We went through Hurricane Michael, you know, two or three years ago. So prayers out to you. Hope everything's going there as you rebuild and kind of recollect. Um, so yeah, Tulane comes in to uh, Oklahoma's home field there. Oklahoma gets the benefit. They'll start off like their first four home games. Are, their first games are at home because right. of this. And uh, Oklahoma, uh, Spencer Rattler, 
another super high Heisman candidate. Who we claimed our Heisman winner. And really, really struggled. Did struggled struggle. early yep. and struggled late. It wasn't like he settled in. He throws the first pick on the first drive. Goes yep. 14 for 14 after that. Right. That's a pretty dang solid little streak there. But, I mean, daggum, ends the day 30 for 39. What is it? What do he have? 304 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Yep. And what a what a close fourth quarter game. They It was fourth and 12. They needed 12. He got 11. Yep. We might be having a different conversation there. Tulane absolutely come, came in and gave them everything they wanted. Very much so. I mean, let's be honest. It was almost App State 2.0 here. We very well thought it could have been. I mean, you get the ball. You get last possession of the game. You could have very well won this game. Didn't. Um, hats off to Michael Pratt, Tulane's quarterback, 27 for 44, 296 yards, three touchdowns. Dude Facts. balled out. There's obviously a semantic here. Tulane's playing for their home state, which is obviously devastating about the hurricane, so there's that. And, you know, Spencer Rattler, you look at the stat line first, 30 for 39 looks great, but then you score down those two interceptions and it does not. And just kind of the game management. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily the speed of the game or what – and it and it and it really felt like, and we'll we'll have a big conversation about this in a minute. It really just felt like Oklahoma thought, oh, okay, cupcake week one, we'll roll these OU yeah. red helmets out That's here, it. and we'll you know on to the next one. Yep. And almost got caught sleeping. And you almost have to ask yourself the question too: What happened if number two had to roll into Louisiana and play Tulane at home? That's a big yeah. I mean, I mean the, the 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 noise and the everything, the emotion of that moment yeah. in the stadium. Really could have been something. You know, I feel a lot better about saying that Oklahoma would lose to Iowa State and Texas. Iowa State, I know. We'll get there, too. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they really didn't look good. But, no. but we will have a conversation Again, about it's week why. one. Right. We'll so. have that conversation. Moving on, another pretty saw. I mean, this was a great football game great to football watch. Game. Really set the tone for the day. Penn State and Wisconsin in just an absolute defensive battle. One of the one of the couple of defensive battles games that we saw this weekend. Penn State gets the upset win, sixteen to ten. I know we both picked Wisconsin. I know you're very much regretting that pick there. <laughs> Grant Mertz came out. Honestly, I, I will tell you what happened before we let Jordan get on the mic here. Grant Mertz had a sustainable game. Didn't play great, but honestly, didn't shoot himself in the foot either. Sean Clifford and uh, and those wide receivers absolutely lit up Wisconsin secondary. This game was 16 to 10. It should have been probably 32 to 10 with as many times as a wide receiver got absolutely clear of Wisconsin secondary. But hey, Penn State comes in. They're 1 and 0 in the Big 10 now. Looked very good. A lot of things to clean up, but you went against a pretty dang good defense there yeah. at Wisconsin. Uh, Clemson transfer that's running out was running back for Wisconsin. He played really well, right. had a solid game, but ultimately just wasn't good enough. All right, uh, everybody, plug your ears, get ready. George's about to light it up. <laughs> Mertz hurts. I said it. I don't know how many times last season. Big I'm facts. Start with it again. Graham Mertz, in my opinion, is the worst quarterback at a major Power Five. That, that is a hot take, ladies that and gentlemen. That is a hot take. But the dude is just so inconsistent. He played well for this first game or two last season. Obviously, he got COVID after that, came back, just nothing. And Wisconsin, That man started two games straight last year, eight touchdowns total. That is a yeah. baller of a – what a two-game streak. didn't even straight. throw a touchdown against Penn State, two picks. And you know what? If you're Wisconsin, you just watched Cone last night against a, a pretty good Florida State team break records for Notre Dame and you have to be kicking yourself in the butt that you let that man go for very Mertz. true very true but the, hey the upside though is Penn State gets the win they yep. like I said they're 1-0 in the Big Ten we'll see if they can challenge the spearhead programs there you know Iowa looked really really good um, obviously Ohio State looked good too but, I mean, if you're Wisconsin, though, I think all goals are still in front of you. Run the table. You know, we both have them in our Big Ten title game. Uh, so, I mean, the goals are still in front of you. Start 0-1, but, every, you know, hey, even Nebraska got to win this weekend. So, yeah. you know, there's upside for everybody. Everything's possible. It is. Now, this is a game that, man, there is so much to unpack here. The Tigers of LSU roll into the Rose Bowl at uh, UCLA. Yep. And uh, we both picked LSU on the podcast. You ended up flipping to UCLA. I think I picked UCLA on the podcast last week. Oh, we week. both picked UCLA. Yeah, that That's right. Yeah, yeah. I switched over to LSU. I really thought Derek Stingley Jr. in that secondary would shut down DTR. I like DTR a lot. Um, listen, Zach Charbonnet is just an absolute man. He's now done it twice. Yeah. Absolutely balled out. Man finishes with 11 carries, 117 yards, and a touchdown. 
Man, LSU. So, Coach O, just to set it up, if you hadn't seen the clip, yep. he rolls into to the Rose Bowl, and he, he he tells somebody to come get these hands, basically, and he calls him the sissy in the blue shirt. Yeah. And, and Paul, I listened to uh, to an ESPN conversation this morning, Paul Feinbaum and a couple of them were sitting around, and he said, that's what they thought of UCLA. They yep. thought, we'll just roll in here, these bunch of soft kids, we're going to beat the fool out of them on their home turf, and it looks like we might have a new contender with UCLA. Very much they so. Were, they were my dark horse. They looked really good. And also, too, I think we do have to talk about, you know, is LSU in trouble? I mean, from what their schedule in the SEC West, I'd agree so. I'd agree, I think so. I mean, Coach O's getting very much looking like that Gene Chizik of a few years ago. It really does look yeah. like everything aligned in that 2019 yeah. season. A generational quarterback, a really good defense, some great running backs, an absolute flash in the pan for a coach now who hadn't done anything before, yeah. hadn't done anything since. Yeah. But, let, I mean, let, let's not, you know, kind of underestimate what UCLA had going for him here in this game, too. Essentially playing at home. They were playing in the Rose Bowl, but they are playing in California. LSU is a good ways away from home. This was LSU's yeah, week one game. This was essentially UCLA's week two game. They got a good tune-up game versus Hawaii the week before. Charbonnet looks like he could be a Heisman contender. I mean, Dude, he's, 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 he's great. He's playing very he's well. Great. But, you know, they played a hard-fought game. Max Johnson, you know, played well. I mean, it would he really would, did play well? Would Miles Brennan have done any better and maybe running for his life for like yeah. the whole game basically? So you don't really know what would happen here, but UCLA right now looks like a world beater in that Pac-12 conference. LSU looks like could be a bottom tier team in the SEC West. So. That's what's. I, I'm one of the people who say you know college football is better when LSU is great. We're so used to it. You know, yeah. I, the the pick'em rate on LSU was nuts, and I remember telling y'all, it'll be that way. I picked LSU, but I, trust me, I did my homework. I think a lot of people picked LSU because they saw those three letters, yeah. and you're used to – you're not supposed to lose to UCLA. Right. Chip Kelly has them boys playing well. He it does. looks like the Chip Kelly of old, the Chip he Kelly does. at Oregon before he went to the NFL and got sent back home. That man has got them boys play. I mean, yeah. DTR and Zach Charbonnet alone, that UCLA defense is playing well. They are. They that are. tight end UCLA's got, they were, LSU's defense looked like last year. Yeah. They couldn't tackle nobody. Yeah. And to your point, you know, like you said, when LSU and Auburn and some of these other teams play bad, it's, it's boring, right? Because Alabama's dominant. You expect them to be. But when they literally have no competition in that western side of the SEC, it's just – it's automatic, right? I mean, you know what's going to happen. You know, we we talked about Auburn coming in, and I've been high on Auburn. I yep. think Auburn will do better than people think. Auburn, who looked good playing against Akron, I know. They pitched the shutout over there, I think, wasn't it 55 yeah. nothing. Yep. And we were counting on LSU being one of those Auburn losses. You pick Auburn tomorrow. you got to pick Auburn, LSU. Who are you taking? Auburn right now, 100%. based off week one. I mean, I mean, why would you not? Yeah. So, I mean, LSU, to me – there's a there's there's almost a reshaping of culture that needs to happen. I don't yeah. want to overreact, you know. I don't want to be a victim of yeah. the moment here. It's week one, so yeah. It's but. week one, but man, that's that's yeah. not a good look at all. Yeah. Because let's be honest, final score thirty eight twenty seven should have been a lot worse. Should have yeah. been a lot lot worse. Yeah. UCLA beat them boys up and down the field on every side of the ball and special teams. Yeah, this week you know is kind of known as Cupcake Week, so you got to hope LSU can come out and kind of correct some things before going into some SEC well, play. Well, they got up. they got two cupcakes in a row, and I think then they got Mississippi State. Mississippi State who needed a miracle to come back yeah. and win there. So you're looking at three and one, and then I think you run into Auburn if I got yeah. the schedule correct. So you got some time to figure some you things out. Got some tune-ups to some to correct some things you need to correct. Exactly. So, so time will tell. But to, for Coach O to come out and make a statement like that, yeah, and, and then, then for lose. them to, for them to ro- not just lose, they got beat. Yeah, they got oh, beat sure. bad. Them boys yeah. looked. They looked like second tier out yeah. there to UCLA. And all hats off to UCLA who yeah. absolutely balled out. And like I said. Could be a new contender. And, and and let's jump into the creme de la creme now of Saturday Night Football. If you wanted an offensive performance, let me tell you, you didn't get one. Not at all. But so, you got a slugfest of classic football like you used to love, like your dad used to love to watch. Daggum right. I think we now, obviously, we're talking Georgia Clemson. We sit now in a culture of college football where, you know, we're used to 43-45, 38-35, 50-plus points, yep. 400 yards offense. 
listen, this was a battle in the trenches, a battle of attrition, line up, punch you in the mouth style game. Yep. Very reminiscent of the 9-6 game, you know, LSU-Alabama 2012, our senior year. You know, these hard-nosed, just like I said, meet you in the trenches football game. Let's be honest, offense was in short supply. And I think people, we'll, we'll get into some overreactions here on this game. Yeah. But Georgia comes out, mm -hmm. defensive line looks freaking dominant. That whole front seven was just. Oh, my gosh. Secondary looks a little young. We saw Keely Ringo kind of cut his teeth. Yeah. Some ticky-tack fouls getting called yeah, here. I think even that. on both teams. But let's not be victims of the moment there either. And Georgia gets it done, finds a way to win a playoff caliber top five matchup in prime time with all eyes on them. Yep. Dogs start 1-0. They win the game 10-3. Obviously incredible for us to watch this. I mean, this is, you know, it's not often we get to see Georgia win a top five matchup they're supposed to win. They won this one. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's 10-7. If you want my opinion on it. 10-3. 10-3, yeah. 10 to 3, if you want my opinion on it, there was one team that looked incredibly overmatched on that line, especially. And oh, there it was, was not Georgia. Yeah. I mean, DJ, granted, DJ didn't have a great game, but he was he was very much he was running for his the life. entire night. Jordan Davis, uh, Nolan Smith, Nicobe Dean, they were all getting Nicobe Dean, my they dog. Were, yes. My and, homie Steele. And let me I mean, granted, JT had one interception, no touchdowns, but 22 of 30. Very, very efficient in his passing game. Yeah, but don't and, let that be deceiving. Most yeah, of those yeah. are behind the line of scrimmage or That's under three true. or four yards. But he also did not have any of his deep threats in this game. So let please let me go there because I texted you. The first thing I normally do when I get home Saturday night, I, I drive back to, to my home and I sat down and I watched Kirby Smart's press conference. You know Darnell Washington is out. Yep. You know that uh George Pickens. George Pickens is out. Dom you know Arik Gilbert is out. You know Dom is out before you even start. So four of your best weapons are out. Yep. He then reveals that uh, Arian Smith had one week of practice. So he's not up to game speed yeah. at all. He said, what's up? John Star Fitzpatrick. John Fitzpatrick. He said he barely even practiced. He said, I felt like John never even showed up to practice because yep. he's so banged up. Yep. Our wide receiver core was so shallow they had to lean. Let, let's be honest. Brock Bowers, come on now, yeah. as advertised. Kid looks was really good. Yeah. He was one incredible grab away from a touchdown that hit him right in the god dang hands yeah. from having a monstrous performance. Yeah. I mean, you're really looking at depth at wide receiver. Yeah. I think you're sitting around when you're watching the game going, why does the play call look like this? Yeah. Then Kirby pulls back the curtain after the game, and you realize we didn't have nobody to yeah. throw a football to. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't even notice this until you mentioned it, but Kyrus Jackson, Jackson. Mm -hmm. who was easily of the available wide receivers, your top receiver, he was your top pass catcher last year. Didn't play an didn't offensive even, no, down. Not at all. And so, I mean, Tell me if you realize that, because I yeah, sure didn't. You didn't. You're, realistically, your only healthy over-the-top wide receiver was a Donna Mitchell, who had never played a dad yeah, gum college football game. Yeah, I was going to say, that was, first, that was the first yeah. time he's went so, out there. I mean, it's crazy. But also, hats off to Zeus. That man Come on did now, exactly preach. what you wanted him to do, ice the game late getting the first downs we talked about Zeus last week and I told you I said I think he will have a breakout year where he etches his name in those great running backs and look, Georgia gets the ball with four and a half minutes left and everybody in their grandma knows exactly what Georgia's about to do yep and Georgia runs it all four and a half minutes off the clock three first downs with Zeus absolutely putting a human being yep. on the windshield oh, yeah. And one thing I want to point out, if you're not a Georgia fan, you may not know this, Zeus has torn both ACLs in his football career. He yep. tore his, I think his right one right before he came to Georgia, he tore his left one in practice right before his freshman year. The lateral movement he had in that game looked Nasty. the best it has since he's been at Georgia, which is going to be mass for him. He's a great downfield runner. If he gets some lateral quickness in him, that, he is going to be a problem. So, coming out of this game, Georgia looks great. Defense looks great. I believe the offense will get there. Let's give yep. everybody some time to get healthy. We'll be just fine. But for Clemson, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're now you're now out of the playoff at this moment. You obviously you're going to fall out of the top four. There's not a single ranked opponent on your schedule at this point. I mean, nope. what's your big win going to be? Pitt. Maybe. Pitt looked good, you know. But yeah. I mean, there's no there's nothing there. And as the four days of college football, we'll see tonight with Ole Miss and Louisville, have played out, 
the ACC looks really, really down. Yeah. And every single time an ACC team has lost this weekend, it just dooms Clemson more and more and more. They got a, they got a lot of work ahead of them, and they're definitely going to need some help there. Yeah. Clemson's in a bad spot. We're not used to that. And the sad no. thing is, is Clemson played a good ball game. Yeah, they did. They had every right to win that day. Georgia's defense dominated. Clemson's defense looked just about near as good. Yeah. Their line, not as much. But, you know, Georgia on, Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown either. No, not at all. I think, too, one thing let's not overlook on Georgia's offense, we miss a field goal, yep. you know, that Jack Podlesny very easily should have made. Yep. That's 13-3. And then we end the game on, what, the 15-17-yard the well, line. Most likely would have been a touchdown. That would have been either a touchdown or three points as well. So, the line, Georgia covers, obviously, wins outright. Right. The, the spread ended up being two and a half minus for Clemson. But I think you're looking at a game that people can can frown at, but that was a playoff caliber, yeah. punch you in the mouth, the greatest environment college football has seen outside in the in a regular season in a really long time, and it ends with dogs on top. Yeah, absolutely. So, speak segue. I know you want yeah, to do it. Speaking of great atmospheres in college football, <laughs> set them up for it. Okay, uh, last night we got a what. Uh, a story of what could have been. Let's just call it that. An absolute treat of a college football Unranked game, man. FSU playing number nine Notre Dame in Tallahassee. Um, obviously, we were hoping Mackenzie Milton would play. More on that here in a second. Uh, they started Travis uh, for FSU. Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis. FSU's O-line was absolutely overmatched for a majority of this game. Jordan Travis wound up throwing three touchdowns. Uh, Notre Dame, obviously, I, I mentioned earlier, but Cone from uh came from Wisconsin Notre Dame played an absolute gem broke a Notre Dame record, um, but yeah number fourteen for Notre Dame what a ball hawk had two Only, picks yeah that there's game. a reason he's like number one right now yeah. on Mel Kiper's big board so but let's be honest here the big storyline of this game uh, Jordan Travis loses his helmet on a play late in the game and guess who steps in I'll let you take it from there so I text Jordan this this game was really fun we at, we live tweeted this game me and Jordan were texting the whole time and it was a blast the interaction with the fans FSU Notre Dame both have very very solid fan bases we know that from Notre Dame coming to Athens and vice versa um, you can follow us at B Brothers Pod that's B Brothers P-O-D like I said we were live tweeting that whole game we will be doing that tonight also with Ole Miss and Louisville, I texted Jordan. I said, when Mackenzie Milton, if, comes into this football game, that place will lose its mind. Yep. Dope Campbell was going nuts anyways. Yep. Every, that, the, the, the waves of momentum and emotion that were ripping over that stadium with the Bobby Bowden tribute, which yep. chills just thinking about oh, that. Yeah, literally sure. awesome. Mackenzie Milton steps into this game. First throw, sideline back shoulder, about 15, 20 yards downfield Just on the money. Picture perfect. Throw. Rolls him all the way down there, goes four for four on his first drive, puts him in the end zone with the yep. running back there, and the place is going nuts. Yep. This game is tough to break down because Notre Dame looked dominant early. They did. By halftime, by like the third quarter, I texted Jordan and said, the game's over. It's like 28 14. Yeah. It's a wrap, right? It's done. Jordan Travis, whoever who who FSU fans, I will and, and this is on y'all. This is perfectly fine. You have every right to say what you want. They were dragging his name through the mud. Oh yeah, that man played pretty well considering that he was running for his life the whole oh, game. Oh absolutely. I mean, you hike the ball and Notre Dame's there. I it mean, makes sense why your more mobile quarterback was your starter. Yeah. Maybe you're thinking Mackenzie Milton. What's he gonna do? Obviously, doctor said he might not ever walk again. The man's playing football. Right. So Notre Dame then kind of goes to sleep. FSU takes Big Mo and puts it on the back. This is even before McKenzie Milton came in. Yeah, it's a, you know it's a it's a one score ball game when he takes the field, I believe. And from then on, FSU plays very well, and Dagum Coach shoots him in the foot through the whole game, but ends up. <laughs> I mean, this is you know people are saying FSU going to FSU. It's just poor coaching decisions. It is. You go for it. In a one-score game on fourth and five from your own 33-yard line, what are you thinking? Yeah, you're trying to give the game away. You got your dudes are competing their butts off, getting outmatched on the line, and still battling. Every fan in the house is still going nuts, even though yeah. you're getting spanked oh, yeah. left and right. And you, 
that that could have been the, the play that gave the game away. Very much so. Notre Dame picks the ball off, which it honestly helped you out. They right. got five more yards. Yeah. And they end up scoring a touchdown, puts them up two scores. Yeah. And, I mean, one thing I want to say, too, like I think everybody was giving them a lot of, of crap about the, the kick situation to end like to end the game. Well, recap that. Tell, them, tell us what happened. So, essentially what happened was uh, there was a fumble recovery by McKenzie Milton in overtime by FSU. So they they essentially lost 15 yards or so. They lost a lot of yardage. Um, they go to kick the ball. Coach challenges it, but in the middle of him trying to challenge it, they kick the field goal from 50 yards out. He that, makes and, it. and at this point, his career longest is a 42 yeah. that he oh, kicked yeah. earlier that, that in the game. So they win the challenge, and they move up back to the 20. So now it's only like a 37-yard, 35-yard kick, something like that. Very short, very manageable. He misses the kick. Lots of statistics tells me Coach made – a smart call there. It just didn't work out, but it looks dumber because of the fourth down call Correct. earlier in the Correct. game. Correct. And two, it's just, you know, you think about does McKenzie Milton play that whole game? Does it look different? It does. I mean, I yeah, think it yeah. does. Does McKenzie Milton run for his life? Maybe. I mean, the emotion and the electricity in that stadium. Yeah. I was texting a good friend of the show and a good friend of ours, John Nathan, and he was like, man, what I would do to be in that stadium. Oh, and I was like, big facts. I'll be like, I mean, that place is going Just nuts. the poise was different. I mean, you think about this play, the, the field goal to tie the game to take an overtime, right? It's a bad snap. It's a fumble. Mackenzie Milton picks that ball up and just chunks throws, it. Yeah. Just a smart play to save the yardage. Does Travis Jordan do that in that situation? Probably not. Probably no not. Way, no way. And, I mean, that's that's what you got with Milton. And I think Milton, too, made Notre Dame more conscious of the deep ball. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think I think I, I love the quote from Mackenzie Milton after the game. They asked him, hey, how were you processing the emotions? He said, I didn't think about emotions at all. I was going in there to execute. Yeah. As a quarterback. Like that's a that veteran. dude's that dude's a baller. He a is an absolute present. baller. Takeaways from this game for me, Notre Dame looks good. Jack Cohn is a you know, they they, they call him the, the game manager situation. If you know about that, you know what I'm talking about. Serviceable quarterback there for Notre Dame. And then Kyron Williams. I mean, need you say more. That dude is a man. Completely toted the rock the whole night. Played very well. They pretty much got the number one tight end on all the big boards over there at Notre Dame who had a massive drop that honestly could have absolutely sealed the game there in, right. in uh, regulation time. So Notre Dame honestly looks better than I thought they would this year. Moving on from the Ian Book era, everything, I think all goals are ahead of them. They got some good matchups, Cincinnati, USC. So we'll find out more about Notre Dame. Yeah. If you're an FSU fan, I know you lost the football game. You got to be excited about the program. Oh, for sure. I mean, the fan base was electric. I think the the takes on Twitter that I saw afterwards were very hopeful and positive. I mean, you probably should have won this football game. I think Mike Norvell kind of shot you in the foot, like I said earlier. But I think the future is bright there. And just like LSU, college football is better when F, when FSU is a good program. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So. We'll have to see what FSU does going forward, but I think it's a good year to be in Tallahassee. It is. But also, like you like you said, another loss for the ACC. Yeah. Another loss, you know, non-conference to or another conference versus the ACC. They take another loss. All right, bro. Let's go two-minute drill. Quick right. hitter. Rapid offense here. We're going to recap a couple games. Give one or two quick thoughts. We're going to fly through these. Oregon versus Fresno State. You think those bright-colored uniforms are going to roll out there and get the win? They end up getting the win, 31-24. Big matchup coming up next week versus Ohio State. Takeaway from this game, Kayvon Thibodeau is an absolute train wreck of a guy on the football field, absolutely massacring that uh, offense until he goes down, leaves with his foot in the boot. We'll see if he's playing next week. Absolutely. So we'll move on to Texas. Texas, uh, Texas in the Raging Cajuns, top 25 matchup. B. John Robinson played well, 20 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, Texas did not uh, start the quarterback everybody thought they would. They started Hudson Card, who played well, but Casey Thompson went in and played well, too. So, it'll be an interesting quarterback battle coming up, but a good start to see Steve Sarkeesian era in Texas. Starts 1-0 there. Next up, we got Cincinnati versus Miami of Ohio. They went, they go in, roll it out, 49-14. Desmond Ritter looks as advertised. They look just as good, if not better, than next year. Same thing with Notre Dame. They'll have some opportunities to prove themselves this year. But Desmond Ritter, 20 of 25, 295, and four touchdowns. A real good start to the season. And people losing in front of them, they'll be moving up. 
Yep. So now we'll move on to Florida. Florida played FAU. Pretty dominant win, 35 to 14, but some quarterback struggles here. Emory Jones, who I'm obviously not high on, never been high on, uh, 17 for 27, only 113 yards with two interceptions. The backup, Richardson, came in, looked a little bit better. I know Florida fans are wanting him to start now, so we'll see what happens there. So Florida's got an interesting start to the season. We'll have to see what they do in the East moving forward. That'll wrap up the week one review there. I mean, honestly, blessed. Great week one slate. Absolutely. A lot of good games, a lot of surprises. Yep. Some shocks, some not. So now let's move on to our next segment. We got a, we got a question from a fan and a listener here uh, at Bojangles Prince on Twitter asking. and I thought this was a great question. I messaged him. I said, hey, man, you care if we answer that on the show? He said, please do. He said, does everything going on in week one fix itself within two to three weeks? Can we just chalk all of the week one performances up to nerves and figuring it out? Let us know your thoughts. I mean, you know, there's a lot of them. Like we always like to say on the podcast, uh, for college football semantics, right? I mean, you've got 18 to 21, 22-year-old kids out there playing. There's a lot of emotion in it. I mean, the good thing about this is, aside from teams like Oregon and Ohio State, a lot of teams are rolling into week two. We're going to call it trash week, cupcake week, whatever, and play these teams that are a lot lower than they are. So you got a chance to, you know, really make some adjustments here and correct some things. So you could see teams like Oklahoma, LSU, you know, make some corrections in these next couple weeks and start dominating moving forward. But it's going to be interesting to see. The most, gro- the most growth that we see in college football occurs from week one to week two. Yeah. And while I think, number one, great question, by the way, I think we're looking at a mix of both. Right. I think you really did see some teams that we thought were going to be better looking at you, LSU, that just didn't play well, <laughs> right. that aren't going to get much better because they're just not that good. And then I think we saw some teams, you bring up a perfect example, I think Oklahoma comes out, they refocus, right. much like they did last year when Lincoln Riley sat Spencer Rattler on the bench, yeah. and they come out and they just absolutely look like the number one preseason team that we thought that they were. Right. Um. So I think we, we, we definitely can – overestimate potentials here because like you said you brought up a great point young kids first time play for a lot of them even your freshmen and sophomores playing in front of these massive crowds massive games moments get big lights get bright and and i think like i said we you see the most growth from week one to week two it will be very interesting moving forward but you also saw plenty of people who we thought would be great yeah georgia Clemson played well against Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, yeah. Ohio State handled business. You saw yeah. plenty of people still come out and hit the level of expectation that we put on them preseason. Right. So, like I said, I think it's a perfect mix of, I think you saw some people get exposed, you saw some Tigers struggle, and you saw some new contenders. Yeah. And that's just we is what it is. Moving forward, we'll see. Maybe we eat crow. But as of right now, like I said, Tigers struggle. New contenders. Yep, very good point. All right, so why don't we go into a little uh, week two pick them here. Week two pick them. Yeah, the slate is kind of dry here, bro. Yeah. It really is. Coming off week one, I mean, normally you have a great week, then you have a down week. Uh, uh, In terms of picking this week, I went 12-4. and You went 10-6. and Uh, That covers all of our pick them that we did on college pick them, ESPN college pick them, and all the picks that we did publicly. And we got one happening tonight. So yep. we've had a development in this game. Ole Miss Louisville, Monday Night Football. Yep. You hadn't heard that ever. Uh, another big, big game for the ACC right here. Very much so. Honestly, Louisville might be hanging on a mountain, being their last hope in terms of just, come on, somebody win a football game. We need the ACC to look good. So it comes out, coach is out. Coach has COVID. Yep. So what are your thoughts here? We, we picked this game last week. We both go Ole Miss. Does him being out change change the landscape for you at all? I mean, at the end of the day, Lane Kiffin not being there is obviously going to – is a negative thing on Ole Miss, no doubt. But it's still Lane Kiffin's team. It's still a high-powered offense with a, a great quarterback. I mean, Matt Coral, some people picked him to be a high We winner, will find out. And he could very well show that tonight. Ole Miss right now still sitting at an 8.5-point favorite. I got to still go with the Rebels, though. I think they're going to pull this one out. All right, let's play Vegas. Eight and a half, over, under, or push? I think it's going to be under. I think they'll win by a touchdown. Okay. Tonight, Lane Kiffin being there or not, it won't matter. 
Ole Miss about to roll up in there and put it on those boys. Matt Corral is for real. His Heisman candidacy is for real. He will be on a team that's not going to win a million games because right. the Heisman Trophy Award has become a winning award. But that man about to show you something tonight. Coach or not, give me the over. I'll say 17. Ole Miss by 17. They about to put it on Louisville. The ACC about to take another step back. Get ready. Jump into the official week two picks, and I'll set it up off rip. Jordan and I do this show every Sunday. This week we get the ability to do it on Monday. So probably the same day. Yeah, happy Labor Day. Same day you're listening to it. Um, We do not have time, obviously, yet in the week to break down game film. I told Jordan last night at like 1 in the morning, I watched the first half of the Florida game, which I wasn't able to catch live because we had three TVs and still couldn't catch everything. So we got to do game film. We got to break down injury reports. We actually got to watch and study. So these will be kind of our off-the-cuff picks that are subject to change, which obviously next week, if they do, we'll fill you in. So let's run it here. Very interesting game on the docket here for me. BYU and Arizona played week one. We had to pick that game. We all went BYU. If you paid attention, that should have been your 8, 9, or 10 pick. BYU goes out, handles business, looks very good. And they got got week two, they got Utah. So a big Pac-12 matchup. Potential Big 12, Pac-12 matchup moving forward. You know, big uh, BYU is one of those teams who have thrown their hat in the right. ring to replace Oklahoma and Texas when all that goes down. So, uh, what's I think the spread opens up at eight. What you thinking? Yeah, so right now it's actually seven, so touchdown favorite for Utah. Okay. Uh, BYU is obviously the home team. Um, in a close game, I like to pick the home team. This one's a, not quite as close as what I would like it to be to pick the home team, but I still got to go with BYU here. Um, and, again, this might change later on the week, but – I think Jaron Hall, BYU's quarterback, looked a little bit better than Charlie Brewer in the last game. Uh, Jaron Hall, obviously, two touchdowns and 18 for 28. Charlie Brewer was 19 for 27 with that interception. So, for right now, let me get the home team at BYU. Charlie Brewer, the uh, Baylor transfer. Yeah. Yep. He, looked, he looked good at Baylor. Uh, yeah, give me Utah. I'm high on Utah. They're my dark horse this year. Uh, Utah looks good. BYU looked good also. I, I, I stayed up until like 2 in the morning finishing up that game there so I could finish out the pick'em board and then watch final. It was a – I mean, that quarterback they got, number three, I can't pull his name off top. He looked very good. Mama's rule of college football. If it's a three-point game or less, you take the home team. Mama's rule looked really, really good this past week. I mean, you look at yep. like Maryland and these games. It wasn't undefeated, but it looked real good. But give me Utah – and I'll take I'll take the over. I think they I, I think they cover the spread. I'd have them winning by ten. I got you. I got you. So let's go to uh, what probably could have been our game of the week, but obviously Iowa, Iowa State got this. So Ohio State and Oregon they are going to be at Ohio State. Big game, right? Big here. game. So Oregon obviously had a very close game against Fresno State that they probably should have beat a lot worse. True. Ohio State covered the spread and beat Minnesota by fourteen last week. Who do you got? I think you'll see a lot of growth from both teams uh, moving from week one to week two. Uh, C.J. Stroud looked good playing up against a defense that didn't look good. Oregon on defense, you know, their front seven is solid. The back end, not so much. Some poor tackling there, and I think that's what will let Fresno State ultimately hang around. I think the factor is Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. What I would call the best defensive player in the game of college football today, like we mentioned, he left in a boot. Don't look great. No. I, I I don't want to speculate on injuries, but it didn't look great. If it comes out that he's playing, I think I'd take Oregon. I picked Oregon preseason to win this football game. Right. I don't think Ohio State's defense looks very good either. So I expect Oregon to be able to move the ball. What Do we have a spread on this one yet? Yeah, I was going to start that off with mine. But, yeah, 14-point spread for Ohio State. Ohio State right now is almost an 88% matchup predictor to win this game. I don't like Ohio State covering that at all. But at this moment, with my speculative mind saying that Kayvon Thibodeau will not play, give me Ohio State, I would say five. I got you. I'm also going to assume that Thibodeau is not going to play. One thing to factor in this game, too, Oregon's obviously on the West Coast. Ohio State, I believe, is on Central Time Zone. Game is at noon Eastern, which is going to put Oregon playing around 9 o'clock their time as an early that's morning. That's a struggle. Better go, better that's travel a, early and get acclimated. Yep, Miss that, some classes, yep, fellas. That's a struggle bus. But I think Ohio State, I think C.J. Stroud's going to have a, have a very good game. I think we're going to see a lot from him coming into a top 15 matchup here. Give me Ohio State. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick them to miss the cover, too. 
but I think they I think they win by at least ten. Okay, I like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could I could see that, and I could see Ohio State blowing them out, even though, like I said, I picked Oregon preseason. But it'll be very interesting. Injuries, and now, obviously, we've been able to see both teams play football. Right. Be a very interesting game. It, this is one that I, that I like a lot. I think uh, it's it's a lower-tier profile game. Again, week two is a little bit cupcakey, But we got NC State playing Mississippi State. So Mississippi State needs uh, the world's greatest comeback in Mississippi State history to, to get a W this week. NC State, one of the better-looking ACC teams. I think there's a clear favorite here. Obviously, I'm not sure of the spread. I'm going to let you handle that. But what are your thoughts there? Yeah, like you said, I mean, Mississippi State got a team that they should have probably thumped. Let's just be completely honest. NC State not only covered the spread, but they absolutely dominated that game. I mean, for all intents and purposes, just with the way they lit off week one, I got to go NC State on this game. Yeah, give me NC State as well. Mississippi State really didn't look that great. Um, they, they've always been kind of one of those bottom tier, maybe middle of the road a couple years, you know, when they had Dak and Nick, Fitz, Nick Fitzgerald road SEC West teams. But I just, I mean, they needed a miracle just to get the win here. It ain't going to happen again. Give me, yeah, give me uh, give me NC State. Actually gets one for the ACC there. So, uh, let, let me ask you this, too, though. So, uh, Mississippi State's home team, NC State, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you think NC State meets that spread? Or Oh, no, I, I think NC State beats them worse than that. Okay. Yeah, give me, the, give me the over there for sure. You yeah. said two? Two-and-a-half. Yeah, yep. definitely give me the over there. Now, this next game is one that – should be a lot more interesting than it is. So Washington, your dark horse, yeah. which honestly was a good pick, comes out and gets absolutely upset by Montana, thirteen to seven. Yeah, one of the uglier upsets of the weekend. Pac twelve. I'm very high on them now. I think they've got some real contenders. USC, Utah, UCLA. We'll see what Oregon does this weekend. And Washington should have been right there in the mix. Well, they're playing Michigan. Yeah, Michigan came out looked pretty looked pretty good. I mean, let's be honest. I th- I mean, very very good. Great start to the season. These two teams will meet, meet up here in a Pac-12 Big Ten matchup. Who you got? This one's tough for me. One thing I think for my dark horse pick that benefits me is Montana obviously not being in the Pac-12, so it doesn't affect the Pac-12 right. championship. Yeah, your goals are right there uh, in front of you. But man. 0-1 still ranked. Washington has it right now. I don't think the AP poll has come out yet, or I haven't seen it come out if it has. Yeah, and it'll come yep. out tomorrow because they, they won't Ole Miss the Right, the Ole Miss game. Yeah, so, they won't Ole Miss to win tonight by 17. Washington at Michigan in the big house. Michigan right now sits at a six-point favorite. Everything you may want to say, Dylan Morse is going to come back from this three-interception game and kind of show what he can do against Michigan. Uh, Cade McNamara obviously played. I mean, I'll say consistent, 9 for 11, 136 yards, two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over, did what really he had to do. really wasn't a game after the second. Yeah, I mean, it really halfway wasn't. through the second. Man, I, I got to go with the home team here, right? I think Big Blue kind of takes us. Washington hasn't shown me anything so far. I don't really know that Dylan Morris is going to turn what happened last week around. Obviously, he could do better because he can't really do much worse. But, right. So, I'm going to pick I'm gonna pick Michigan. I'm going to pick him to cover. I'm going to pick a touchdown game here. Yeah, I think you see one of two things happen. Washington either packs their tent up and goes home, or they come out and they freaking absolutely light them up. Yeah. But I'm with you. I think Blue Blue looks good, and they're playing an opponent who now, after seeing a, a game week one, doesn't look all that great over there in the Pac-12. Give me Michigan to cover. All right, now we get into a little bit better games here. Yeah. This is an interesting game. Preseason, a lot of people circled this one. Sam Pittman's Razorbacks at Arkansas going up against the 1-0 Texas Longhorns. Yep. I got to take my bias out of this. Not a massive Texas fan. Right. Went to the Sugar Bowl where they beat us in a bowl game, and obviously their fans were not as kind as I would like them to be. <laughs> they were not Notre Dame. But uh, I think, let's see, Texas opens up at an eight-point favorite. Six and a half Six right and now. a half. Yep. Yeah, give me the over. I think Texas's offense is just too much for Sam Pittman's defense. Sam Pittman in year two now, I think he, he does have Arkansas on the rise. There's no doubt about it yeah. to me. But that's just 
that's just too much too soon. Give me the over. I would say Texas by 10 pretty comfortably. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would, I'm would. i not kind of afraid to say that Raging Cajuns may be a better team than Arkansas. And, I mean, you saw oh, they, what Texas they are. did to them. I would say they are. So, I mean, Texas has two what I would call above-average quarterbacks on their bench. They can use either one of them. Bijan Robinson all, all, uh, already looks like a great running back for them. Bijan is a man. Yeah, Steve Sarkeesian gets a two and zero start at his career at Texas as a head coach. I, I like it. I'm going to take the over. I think Texas wins by at least ten. There were a lot of people picking Louisiana to beat them this weekend. If you I told did, you, if you did your homework, game. it was a trap game. And Texas came out and handled business. They did. Texas looked good. Both both Hudson Card and Casey Thompson both looked good. Casey Thompson in garbage time. Hudson Card obviously gets to start. But future's bright over there in Texas. I, like I said, it, it makes me a lot more comfortable with the Red River rivalry pick that I've already put preseason Texas winning that. Yeah. So we'll see. And now, college game day's game of the week. Iowa. Iowa. Iowa versus Iowa, Iowa State. State. Cyclones, Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes look great, man. They did. They Come out Indiana. and thumped Indiana. That was also a split for us. I went Iowa. You went Indiana. Um, just – Great dominant performance on the offensive and defensive ends. But I think that was actually probably probably too high expectations for Indiana. Yeah. Indiana was a flash in the pan last year. Very exciting to watch. Obviously springboarded by a call that probably should have went against them at Penn State week right. one that actually just kind of lit the season up for them, put a spark under their butts. Uh, I think this one's pretty comfortable, Iowa. As, as crazy as that sounds, because I got Iowa State, you know, beating Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. At this point, with Iowa very much struggling week one, almost losing their game to a cupcake, I feel like I would kind of be wilding to pick Iowa State. Not so fast. Hey, pull one have, from the course. Have at it, man. <laughs> Iowa thumped Indiana. Iowa looks great on defense. One thing about it, Iowa State's playing at home right now. Iowa State's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I really do want to pick Iowa here to upset, a, a quote-unquote upset this game, but – I don't think so. I think Brock Purdy comes out. I think he's got a little little bit of a vengeance on his mind, wanting to prove that they're better than what they showed last week. I think they come out and take the home home field advantage. They're both in Iowa, let's be honest. So it's probably going to be a little bit of a split here, but Iowa State still got the home field turf. They're used to playing on it. I got to take Iowa State to win this game in a close one. I dig it. I dig it. There you go. So week two coming up, big game tonight. Yep. Like I said, follow us at B Brothers Pod. You can follow Jordan at Jay Harris underscore six, Instagram and Twitter. There you go. You can follow me at Connor Mason Chandler, Instagram, Connor Chandler on Twitter. And we will be live tweeting that whole game. We, had, like I said, had a blast doing it last night. Yep. Notre Dame and FSU fans interacting with them pretty much the whole game. Was a blast. Got some good questions. Had some good talking points there. So follow us on Twitter at B Brothers Pod, B Brothers P-O-D. You can find us on Facebook at Bash Brothers Podcast. You can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Again, the podcast coming back after two weeks. The listens are up. We're almost at 800 listens through like less than 30 episodes. Yeah, we've been we've the, the support has been unreal. So all we can do is say thank you. We'll keep coming with the content. We'll keep sitting here in the studio breaking things down. Keep watching football. Keep enjoying it. College football now in full swing. We'll see you tonight. Ole Miss versus Louisville. We'll see you next weekend. Enjoy week two. And as always, we are the Bash Brothers. Signing off. Yerp.